This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. I don't know. I just feel like we were as happy then when we had very little. We didn't spend a lot as we have now when we can do a lot more extravagant things. I think it's just, it does matter, you know, the budgeting and the finances, but it's really about finding the value and making things count and just enjoying what you have. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're talking about how to become an everyday millionaire in your 30s. Yeah, a millionaire. Not a millionaire for the looks or the flash, but a millionaire for family, progress, and truly making a difference. Lisa Shader is my guest today. Lisa is a financial coach, an everyday millionaire, and the creator of MoneyFitMoms.com. She is passionate about educating families about how to make smart financial moves so they can build wealth, live well, and do good in the world. When Lisa isn't growing her wealth and helping others do the same, she loves spending time exercising outdoors, going to concerts, and jumping on the trampoline with her kids. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Excellent, excellent. Well, Lisa, you weren't always an everyday millionaire, right? So when did you first become passionate about building wealth for yourself and your family? I definitely come from a numbers background. My dad is an accountant. And so he tried to convince us kids that playing, like doing QuickBooks, you know, doing bookkeeping for him was more fun than video games because it made sounds. And when you reconcile it, it's amazing. So I definitely had that running in the background. I went to college determined not to be an accountant to prove him wrong. And then, so I tried, you know, a couple other things. And when you know it, I took the accounting class and I just, fell in love. It was so, (laughs) I was so disappointed in a way, but I found it actually worked with what my overall goals. I knew I wanted to be a mom someday and that offered some flexibility. So I went into college as a numbers person, but I think what really set us on our journey was, so I met my husband during college and during, we took, did a master's program, different programs, but at the same time. And what was cool is that because they were in the same school of business, they had allowed us to take an elective together and they had a personal finance class. And it was incredible. The professor, he had worked as an investment advisor and basically made his fortune and returned to academia and got a doctorate degree, really just to sort of, just because he realized that, you know, the amazing opportunity that investing has, and ultimately anyone can do it, you know, if they spend less than they earn, invest the rest and avoid debt. And, and it just really is, can be life-changing for a lot of people. So he went back to school and then he taught this class to just sort of you know, give people the basics. And so it was cool because if you were taking the class with your spouse, you just had one final project that you did together called the a personal financial plan. And we went through, through a lot of topics, but it just sort of laid it out to help us, you know, get a handle on. That's when we started our first budget together and all those different processes that you want to do, learning just a little about investing and taking the intimidation factor out of it because, and I, I was surprised to find that how re, that really gave me an advantage. Cause you think being an accountant 
and working with other accountants that everyone else would just have this clear idea about personal finance. But I found actually that some of my fellow accountants were in debt, that they were borrowing from their 401ks and just making these financial decisions that were really detrimental to their long-term ability to be able to build wealth and have that financial freedom. So I really feel like that was the turning point for us. It was an awesome class. And I totally, you know, hold that professor in high esteem to this day, because I really think he was just trying to make the world a better place and introduce people. So I'm passionate about kind of paying it forward and helping people realize that it's not that complicated. You just have to understand on a basic level what what you can do. And I think once you understand it, it's naturally kind of exciting and momentum building. I feel that. And I love how, like you said, that an individual was a big success and then they came back and they just wanted to give back that knowledge. And it sounds like that's what you are doing now, which is really exciting. So you were able to do this with your husband almost at the beginning of your relationship. Is that right? Or were you guys married for a while? Yeah. So we got married a couple years before we graduated. And so we took this class towards the end, right before we graduated. So I was, I was young when we got married. I think I was about 21, I think, when I graduated with my master's or 22. So we were early 20s and just started out broke, you know, like just starving college students. So typical. And that's kind of when we were able to start on this together. So it really lucked out that the timing started us on a good foot right away. Tell me about your husband's reaction to saying, yeah, let's do this, or I don't want to do that. Like, what was his reaction when you guys were making this plan and saying, hey, I want to move things forward for our family? Right. So I lucked out because I think if we hadn't done this class together and I'd been the one to kind of be behind it, he might have been a little more more hesitant. But truth be told, he was doing a little bit more than the work I was just because... I was in a little bit more of a demanding program that he was not to throw him under the bus. He worked very hard. So the program I was in is one of the top three accounting programs in the country. And they pushed us incredibly hard to be able to, you know, turn out what they hoped would be the best people. The teacher actually went to the professor because I have like a very high (laughs) conscience. I was like, I feel so I'm not doing an equal amount of worse to create, to create this personal financial plan. And he's like, guess what? That's how marriage is. You know what I mean? It's not, you know, everyone, it's not 50, 50, like you're, it comes and goes ebbs and flows depending on responsibility. So it was actually kind of like a life marriage lesson. And so my husband was the one who was in there, like crunching a little bit more of the numbers. And then I would over, always go over it with him. So I think that he naturally became a little bit more invested, which was good because I'm definitely more of the saver naturally. That's just my inclination and personality. And he's a little bit more of the spender. So it allowed him to see the bigger picture and how it would be worth it. How long ago was this? 10 years ago? Yeah. So we graduated in 2009. So what were some of those bigger picture things that you and your spouse were excited about, maybe with this financial plan that you guys did in college? And I guess maybe it probably altered from there. But what were some of those big plans? I think the biggest thing, I mean, it's so basic. It's just budgeting. So you have money left over and then investing that money. And because the professor was an investment advisor, he did like to go into the allocations and, you know, all of that jazz. So we, we did that a little bit, but I, I mean, the truth is overall, and actually some of the accounting professors had emphasized index funds, not necessarily as the end all beat all, but just to kind of take the intimidation factor out of it and realize that, I mean, I, I introduce investing because I find a lot of I mean, I don't think it's limited to women, but just people who aren't in the finance world get very intimidated by 
investing and especially when the market's uncertain. And I tell them, don't worry about trying to time your investments, worry about whether you have money left over to invest. You know what I mean? And so I think, I think budgeting investing were those two key things that you can't really do one without the other. You know what I mean? It's not enough just to budget. If, if your goal is to build wealth, like, yes, you know, you can meet your needs, but if you want to be able to, you know, reach that financial freedom, you have to pair that investing piece. So I think it was educational for both of us to learn a bit more about investing, but also realize that we didn't need to be investment professionals in order to open an account and just get the basics started. Yeah, I think that's the relieving thing or the calming or simplifying statement is that it doesn't have to be super complicated. You don't need to know how to do options and which single stock is going to take you to the next level. It's like there are easy, I guess, maybe simple ways to do it. We don't want to say easy, but simple ways to make this happen. So let's talk about some of those right now that helped you to get to this everyday millionaire status. So one of the first things you talked about was budgeting. So Talk about the strategies you've used for budgeting and how that's helped you to get where you are wealth-wise. We started with Mint, I think, before we were taking that class, just because it was basic, it pulled in our accounts. And that was enough to sort of, honestly, the truth is we were so broke, we just couldn't spend money on anything ever. So it was basically just the joy of seeing that we were in fact spending no money. I remember one date night, we decided to splurge. And we went to, there was a dollar movie theater there, but we went to the evening price, which was like a dollar 50. And then we were like, you know what? We were just like high on life. We're like, I think we're going to go get a dessert. So we got a dessert, but we got it to go because heaven forbid, we have, should have to like pay for a tip or something. So that was, I remember like the most extravagant date night that we had. Cause we just, we just had nothing. And we, we did get pull student loans, but it was just to finance the time between when the student loans were due and before the end of the year. So we were working, we each had multiple jobs and we're just, our, our goal was to not really need that student loans. You know what I mean? To be able to pay it back. So we did, we were able to pay it back about a month after we graduated before it accrued any interest and stuff. But it was sort of, you know, for me, it was fun as the saver. It was thrilling, like spend nothing. But eventually when you get to the point where you have more expenses and spending nothing ever is not really an option, it it was, gave me such peace of mind as the super saver that yes, like we have money to do this and that and still be able to meet our overall financial goals. So I think that's, what's amazing about budgeting when you are working with, you know, a partner and you have these different personalities, it it creates a sort of safe zone to work towards your financial goals where the spender and the saver, they create this budget together, you know, and there should be some push and pull and that and, and compromise. But then the budget's the bad guy. It's not, it's not, you know, you going at each other, picking on them for doing this. You're just going over the budget together and, you know, you're talking about, I just found like, I think people get too overwhelmed by budget that it's, they have to figure out exactly what their expenses are going to be. And then their expenses have to be exactly that. But it's really just, I think, a tool for communication to bring people together and help you figure out what your goals are and work towards those. Um, we tried, we did Quicken for a while. I'm a big fan of Mint. We've been using Mint for 10 years, but yeah, I like a lot of them. Yeah. For us, we've landed on YNAB just because our finances are complicated enough that I feel like it can handle some things. But 
like, don't, don't get overwhelmed by that. I tell people, if you already have something that works for you, stick with it. So I got a degree in tax and they, whenever the professors would talk about theoretical new tax systems, they said the best tax system is just the one we already have because the just ripples of stress it would create to change that would just overwhelm the economy. And it's the same with budgeting. If you have something that works, stick with it. If you're doing pen and paper or an Excel spreadsheet and that helps you guys manage it, you know what I mean? It really is more about the tool. So that is how budgeting kind of brought those two differing personalities together and helped me realize it was okay to spend and helped him say, you know, yes, you can spend. These are the limits in order to meet the goals that he also valued. Yeah. I love how you described that as almost like a digital third party coach. Like you set it up at the beginning of the month based on what you both agree on. And then it just lives there as your digital coach throughout the month saying, Hey, here's what you guys agreed on. If you want to look at it every once in a while and make sure you're on par, that's great. You talked about investing, and I know that that's a very important part of it. It sounds like you guys got on that train pretty early based on where you guys are net worth-wise. So talk to me about where you started and when you started, because if it was any time around when you were talking about 2009, 2010, you guys have been able to take advantage of a really great bull market time. So talk to us about that. Yes. So we really lucked out. I do say some of our situation was a little bit luck because partially because we were able to get in the market. I mean, the truth is we would have gotten to the market no matter where it was. I think the biggest thing was we were able to get into a home much, much sooner than we thought. Cause we live in the California Bay area where a decent, where a home now it's hard to get a home for less than a million. So I think that's the biggest, you know, windfall we sort of got, but in terms of getting into the market, it didn't matter where it was, we were going to get in. So I just took the personal financial peace university with Dave Ramsey. And he said, 75% of millionaires use the company retirement accounts. That's how they get there. But like another 75% use outside of company, meaning like, you know, like IRAs. And that holds true for us. We were doing everything we could to max out our enough of the 401k to get the employer match. And, but also we opened IRAs for both of us and we're contributing to those. And honestly, the people missing out on the 401k employer match, that is just like the hill I'm going to die on. And that was the reason I had another financial blog. And the reason I started it was just to combat the idea that moms and finance should be about couponing. And that was their key to wealth. And I think honestly, it made me so sad because you know, it's not that these people were, you know, foolish. They just, that was the best information that they had, that the best way to contribute their finance was to just lower their grocery bill as much as possible. And I'm not hating on couponing, but they, if they had put their time and energy into making sure they were hitting these, you know, basic things, because the 401k employer match is just free money, thousands of dollars that you're just throwing away if you're not hitting that. And I realized a lot of it is just basic knowledge that I was lucky enough to get because of this class. I didn't necessarily get it in my accounting degree, but really just from taking a personal financial class. And so that's what I was trying to pass on is that it was just basic thing. And it's, we did kind of play with the allocations for a while, but eventually, you know, we let that go. And basically we were using index funds, nothing fancy. Eventually when we hit a certain amount of investments, additional opportunities open up when you have higher net wealth. And I'm not talking, I'm not <laughs> talking about your uncle's like great next business idea. And you're going to like take the whole bill for that. I'm talking about, it was a real estate investment trust, right? So these are audited, reputable financial firms, but they just have a higher 
minimum bounce. So we do have some money in that, but that was like, that's been at the very tail end of this experience. Almost all of it was created through just basic, you know, investing. And also part of it was because we did see an opportunity with the real estate market. And so we got into a home when it made sense for us financially, but also because we knew the market was low and we talked to people in the area and they're like, do whatever you can to get any kind of real estate right now. And we did. And so our home doubled by the time we sold it about eight or nine years later. So, you know, I mean, you just work with what you have, but if nothing else, get into the market. And I just finished reading, actually I'm in the middle of it. Have you heard the JL Collins? Yeah. I had him on the show last month. Yeah. He's great. So yeah, I recommend his book to anyone. My favorite is when he talks about the chapter about bonds, he's like, read until you feel like you have enough that you understand that you want to have some bonds, but he doesn't necessarily care if you understand it on the level he does. And just his takeaways, spend less than you earn, invest the rest, avoid debt. That is the simple path. Because for 95% or 99% of the people listening, that's the simple path to wealth. That really is, right? Right. And I love it. And that was it for us. Spending less than we earned. We did not. The, the number one takeaway we got from that financial class was he told us to resist the urge to upgrade our lifestyles before it really was time. He said, live for 10 years like no one will. And then you can live the rest of your life like no one can. And that it was like 10 years, I think almost to the dot. We just waited. You know, we continued to drive old cars. We didn't buy all the new furniture. We just, you know, eventually when our income increased, we were able to start saving up for those things. When we did buy our first car, we paid it with cash and And the people almost couldn't handle it. That never happened before. And as you know, the car industry is mostly based on people financing. And so we're weird. You have to like be a little bit weird, but it was just the basic. We just lived on less, invested in the most boring ways, just contributed to retirement accounts and IRAs and did the basics. And it just takes time. So nothing outside of the 401k or IRA. Did you guys have a taxable brokerage or HSA or anything like that? We eventually got an HSA. We didn't hit income limits until the last few years. We actually keep a record of what our income was for the first five years. There was only one year that we were making more than a hundred thousand the year that we were both working before I started staying at home full time. So it wasn't that we were, you know, making astronomical amounts of money. And even just here in the Bay area, it's really not as common to be able to have someone to to live off of one income. So it was kind of mind blowing, but it was just because, you know, we knew exactly how much money we had. We always lived on less and that worked in the long run. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work-optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? (laughs) If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. 
If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. And use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. So talk to me about the working situation during this 10-year period. You were working, he was working. How did that work? And then I know you guys have kids in the picture now. So how did you make that work? And then talk to us about what you were doing for a living and, and the general income range. We just read this article. I don't think, I, I can't remember when it came out. Is in the Harvard Business Review called being a two-career family requires a long-term plan. And we read this after we kind of already lived this, but I, I loved how it was written and it really emphasized that sometimes it makes sense to, I mean, both financially, but also just emotionally to look at the bigger picture rather than planning two careers that are just growing completely independently of each other. Like, especially if you want kids, it may make more sense if you, you know, just have some planned moments where people take a step back from Things. And that was sort of what we did. We always had planned for me to be able to stay at home. I worked a little bit at during some points, you know, just little, little things here and there. But for the most part, I was the primary caregiver and that allowed my husband to get really, really good at his job and focus. And he was, he was really good though. He didn't become a workaholic. I, I, because I am the chart keeper, I would like literally keep track of making sure he was home for dinner a certain number of weeks. Cause I'm like, this is your measurement for if you are prioritizing our family. So it was like, you have to be home for dinner. If it doesn't count, if I already have the kids to bed, like I love you, but you know, I really prioritized him having work-life balance, but at the same time, he didn't have to worry about the kids. I had that, but because that allowed his income to grow eventually, now that our kids are getting a little older and a little more independent and don't need as much from me because we've prioritized his career and his income earning ability, I am now basically financially free in terms of we're not dependent on my earning income. And so when it was to the point of, do I want to go back to work? I was like, no, like I want to start this blog. I want to help people. And that was just the financial freedom that we had of not being dependent on me because his income is more 
than enough. So I think it's one of those things where, you know, sometimes one plus one can equal more than two if you're looking at as sort of a long term. But I, I mean, it's not all about money for sure. You do have to think about emotionally what makes sense to your family. What do you want to prioritize? If I could go back in time, I probably would have continued to work part time because being a stay au pair is extremely hard, but at least for me and my personality. But at the same time, it's no regrets, you know, like it's all worked well for us. So I worked as, so I was an accountant and now I actually started a photography business somewhere along the side because I found I, you know, I really enjoyed that. So, and then the financial blog, my husband is in information systems, consulting and auditing. So like I said, I think straight out of school, we were earning about our income started about 60,000. One year it got over a hundred thousand. And then after that, it was under a hundred thousand for several more years. So, and this is in like California Bay area. So everything buys half what it does pretty much everywhere else. So we really just, <laughs> we're living on love uh, for a while, but honestly, we were so happy. And, and in some ways it's easier to spend nothing than to have to be like, okay, like, <laughs> you know, and that's why I do love budgeting because it allows me to give permission to spend, but it was not, I mean, we were lucky that we invested for careers that were professional and have income earning potential, but we definitely didn't reach this status because we were just earning insane amounts of money out of the gate. And so that was our background. You talked about the importance of budgeting and controlling that money because yes, maybe you didn't have like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to work with, but there are some folks who are earning that that are spending all of that. So talk to me about how you used your budget to control your expenses. And then what what is like a typical year look like for you guys expenses wise? Are you spending $40,000 a year on your expenses? Is it 60? What does a year look like for you guys? Right. So back then it was not much. I think we've run our budget and it's hard to say because off the top of my head, because built into our budget are some like really aggressive savings goals too. Like some of it is like, I think our burn right now is about 10,000 a month, which is really high. We fall under what they call like a fat fire. You know, we live in a high expense area, but our expenses were definitely not that high before our previous house, our first house that we bought our mortgage, we got it down to less than 1500 a month, which in the Bay area is like, that's mind blowing. So rent here is easily two to $3,000 for, you know, a apartment. So I think the biggest misunderstanding is that the key to building wealth is making a lot of money. And that is exactly the wrong thing to be looking at. It's looking at, I call it the margin, right? The difference between your income and expenses. And as an accountant, both seeing the clients my dad worked with and the clients I worked at, these are some high net worth individuals. And I really just saw that adage, you know, more money, more problems lived out in really like sad ways in such a way that it did not make me aspire to having a lot of money because I just, I, I honestly believe that having more money just makes you more of what you already are. And, and I saw these just, you know, family issues and all these things turn ugly. And then at the same time, so one of the things that I did growing up with my dad is I would go deliver the client gifts and he would just tell me, you know, as he's reflecting with all these different clients that some of these people who lived in just these super modest homes were millionaires and you would never, you know, it's just, amazing. He's just saying that it really is about the values. And that's like the most valuable thing that you can pass on to your kids. And so I just instantly knew that I'd be one of those people who would want to emphasize 
just raising really good kids. And if I earned that income, it wasn't necessarily about upgrading to like a crazy lifestyle, but also, you know, being able to help others and yeah, just focus on the margin, making sure we're spending less than we earned and then making it work and definitely enjoying life for my husband's 30th birthday. I surprised him. And that was when I wasn't working. And so I started taking on bookkeeping jobs, like during nap time and after bed and just kind of toiling away. And then I totally surprised him for his 30th birthday. Cause I did have this extra money that was like outside our budget needs. And I, I didn't even tell him what we're doing. I just told them pack a bag. We had one kid at the time who I, you know, lined up, stayed with family overnight. And then I said, okay, here's the address. And it was in this insane area. I remember because I looked up how much the homes were. They were four to $10 million homes. And I'm like, okay, drive to this address. And he's thinking, what is he doing? And he's kind of a shy person. So he's thinking, is this like a murder mystery dinner with strangers? (laughs) Like he was so worried about what it was. So we go to this house, these people walk out, they've got like six car garage with these insane cars, sports cars. And it's my husband's drink. It was just to rent for like two days. And he hands him the keys. He's like, okay, like I'll see you back in 48 hours. And it's like Brian's dream car is a Porsche 911, which he's, we don't have because we're still that is an living awesome gift. We just handed it to him and we got to drive down the coast and we stayed somewhere amazing. And we went to the best dinner and, and, but it meant so much because you know, I like worked for it. And I think I was more excited than he was because I've been working towards this for time. And so I think, I, I don't know. I just feel like we were as happy then when we had very little, we didn't spend a lot as we have now when we can do a lot more extravagant things. And I think it's just, you know, it's, it does matter, you know, the budgeting, the finances, but it's really about, I don't know, finding the value and making things count and just, I don't know, enjoying what you have. I love that. I love that story. I think I might have to steal that idea because I like fancy cars too, but I would never bring myself to like buy a Porsche. But I think that I would love to rent one for a couple of days and drive down the coast. I think that'd be great. I think it's called Turo. It's so it's yeah, no, I've heard of that. Yeah. yeah, it was awesome. It was not that expensive. We did that again with another Porsche that rented for half the cost because it was yellow. So it's not as cute. I don't know. Uh, we'll have to put that in the show notes for people to have some fun. That's cool. And it covers the insurance is what you're essentially paying for. And then just like a little month. It was just, you know what I mean? It's to an experience. It was amazing. Right. That's great. So you have reached this millionaire status early on in your 30s. What's exciting you now with regard to your financial goals? You're looking in the future. You talked a little bit about new investing opportunities that have opened up. But what does that mean for you and your husband and your, I guess, life plan now that you've reached this in your early 30s and where you might go in the next decade? I guess there's basically two major goals. We've always worked towards retiring early. The number that we have in my head. So my husband would be 55, a little bit younger. So that could possibly happen sooner, but he really likes, he enjoys his job. So we haven't aimed, you know, it's possible we could make that sooner, but there's just not a lot of motivation. So we're more just about building, you know, the fat fire where it's high expense. We'd be able to do some pretty incredible things with what we had when we retired, but we're definitely not living for that day. Cause you just, you don't know, you don't know like how much time you have. So we're definitely enjoying things along the way and 
we do spend, we travel a lot. We take our kids, our kids are still little. I have one still in like a big car seat. So we've been doing a lot of domestic travel previous to COVID. (laughs) We took the kids to just cities around the U.S. We went to Seattle and Austin and just taking them around. And then as they get a little older, we hope to travel the world more. And then in terms of financial goals, because I'm, I'm an advocate of just having one major goal you work towards at a time. Our next major financial goal, you know, besides that we're just stashing away is we want to pay off our house, which, you know, a lot of people do. Honestly, if we lived anywhere else, our house probably would be paid off, but because it's California prices, we do have a mortgage. So we, we laid out a little spreadsheet where we kind of analyzed what would be the fastest way, whether it be to just pay it off directly or to invest an amount and let that grow. So we actually came up with the fastest way as a combination of that. So we have a taxable investment account because we're kind of maxed out all of our tax advantaged accounts. So we're saving towards that, that, that balance will grow, but we're also paying down our mortgage at the same time. So I'm excited for that. I went back and forth because you know, the math of whether it's better to invest or pay off your house, but I like the idea of just not having any payments and just having that freedom to just be like, you know what, like I'm over this job, let's sell our house and like move somewhere else and just not having anything on the line. So that's what's next on the horizon for us, but also just enjoying life. And I don't know, that is the exciting thing about, oh, budgeting. That was something else I wanted to mention. We have done fun money accounts for each of us. So dedicated amounts. And obviously back in the day, it wasn't much. It was a small amount a month. And just like also little money we hadn't counted on, like, I don't know, like credit card rewards or whatever would go towards those things. And that way, cause he would spend his each month on things and I would save mine towards bigger things like, you know, the Porsche weekend and whatever. And I think that helps budget a lot because it's not as stressful. You know that you can spend money on these more extravagant things that you're not necessarily accountable for because maybe you have some different values. He likes clothes and electronics. I like travel. So I'll take little trips to different places by myself. I went to Boston last year with a friend. And so we can each spend our money on our financial priorities and you can do anything. It just may, for the bigger things, it may take a little time to save up for. And I feel like that gave a lot of freedom in the budget because it's outside of your like bigger financial goals. So I think that's great. Having options, having the ability to do things that are exciting to you personally, that's a great way. And by the way, I'm a big fan of paying off your mortgage. We did that in 2017 and it's just given us a lot of options and just made us feel a little bit more relaxed. Maybe the math is like not perfect when you look at it in the in the calculator, but I don't think I could put the feelings that I have really into a calculator either from not having a mortgage. So kudos to you on that. One other thing is that you said you are an advocate for doing good in the world with your wealth. What does that look like for you? Yeah. So when I was deciding whether or not to pursue money fit moms like more and put more time into that. I agonized over it because I don't like the idea of, you know what I mean? Putting out there like, Oh, you know, and I, I hesitated to even put on there that I was an everyday millionaire because it wasn't about, you know, like bragging about some status level, but I realized that it just brought so much freedom. And so uh, such amazing things in our life where we don't have to worry about money, like some people do. And so I finally was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to hope people don't misunderstand me. So 
part of that was putting it in the tagline that it was about doing good. So what that looks like for us is we try to be very generous with both our money and our time. One of the things that I learned back in college when we had nothing was that you are as generous with your first dollar as you are with your last. And so we have prioritized giving along the way and we gave a lot. And that, I mean, that's the amazing thing about budgeting is you can see like, yes, like we've set the money aside from this. This is to help other people. This is what's left for us to live in. And I mean, that amount can be different for other people. I remember reading about one couple who literally, I mean, they basically, they both work and they basically just donate all of the wife's salary because that was what they wanted to do. You know, I mean, everyone's is going to look different, but just making sure that you at least are giving some of both your time and your money. And so we try also really hard to get our kids involved in different things. So at Christmas, we do the giving tree and go and shop for them. But we also have been doing for three or four years doing stockings for the homeless, which unfortunately, because it is so expensive here is, you know, people were asking me like, how do you find homeless? I was like, oh man, okay. If you're in San Jose, just drive around. Like, they're everywhere. So we will make these awesome, you know, with gift cards and like really nice socks and like, like, like non-perishable food so they can keep with them just to try to help people see, like, we don't have money to just hoard it. You know, we do it to give and make the world a better place. And that is my ultimate goal and why I got into this. Uh, I think that's beautiful. Giving your time, giving your money, and having the ability to do that alongside your kids so they can get that same impression that you had when you were a kid from your father about the importance and power that money can have to make the world a better place. So Lisa, thank you so much for doing this with me. There's somebody listening right now and they're like, well, I want to become an everyday millionaire too. What is the first thing they should do after finishing this interview? Know what your next long-term goal is and start working on that. I When I started financial coaching, I tried to start with getting people to budget and it just didn't take hold. And I found the key really is to have a goal that you're excited about, whether that's to pay off your debt or invest 15% of your income towards retirement or paying off your house, like whatever your next goal is. And then I feel like the budgeting, you're so much more motivated to do that when you're working towards a specific goal. It's kind of if, if people are runners or bikers or, you know, athletes, they understand that you train differently when you have a race in mind. So I say also pick a date, even if you end up changing it and, you know, like it's budgeting, life will happen, but pick a date for when you want to accomplish that goal. Cause that helps you set your pace and you're so much more motivated when you're working towards that goal. So figure out what your next goal is. If you have no idea, I, so I put on moneyfitmoms.com. I have the top 10 money moves that I consider the most important things. And 10 sounds like a lot. Some of you may have already done because some of them are like asset protection things, like having the right kind of insurance and stuff. But so that can be a starting point. But, you know, pick something that you're excited about that you want to work towards. And then I think it is, you know, kind of how people are like become marathon addicts or whatever. Like once you feel how amazing it is to set a goal, accomplish it then you, you just can't wait to figure out, okay, like what's my next goal? And then I think the momentum builds from that. I completely agree. It gets addicting people. This is a lot of fun and it helps you to create the life that you've always dreamed of. So Lisa, thank you so much. Where is the best place for people to learn more about you and maybe get that resource you just mentioned? 
Yes. So the website is moneyfitmoms.com, but I'm also on Instagram and Facebook and Pinterest all under money fit moms. And I'm still relatively small. So I will informally coach people who message me like I'm, this is what we've chosen for me to do with my time. So I'm here to help people. I really care. So message me, reach out. Like I'd love to help anyone figure out their finances and just move forward to the life they want. Excellent. Lisa, thank you so much for inspiring us today. And everybody, I love following Lisa on Instagram. She's always posting extremely helpful posts as well as on her stories. I watch her videos. It motivates me to get to the next level too. Lisa, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, Andy. It was great being here. A 30-something millionaire. That is amazing and truly motivating. Here are my top three takeaways from my conversation with Lisa Shader. Number one, control your expenses. When you understand your expenses, you can control them. And when you're in control of your expenses, you can design the lifestyle that feels right for your family. Number two, keep investing simple with index funds. Lisa is all about index funds because they are effective, they're efficient, and they are simple. If you're just getting started with investing or looking for a way to not stress over the minutia of individual stocks, index funds could be your ticket to a relaxed millionaire status. Number three, partner with your spouse. This young millionaire journey is a lot easier when you have a partner that supports you along the way. Lisa emphasized the partnership that she and her husband had, and it was crucial to their success. Find a driving force or a purpose that you and your spouse can both get behind that makes your millionaire journey that much easier and more successful. Lisa, thank you so much for sharing your young millionaire success story with us. I know you're going to inspire a lot of people listening today to do the same thing. As a quick reminder, everybody, this show is for entertainment purposes only. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. A big thanks to Dan Tabbitt for editing today's show and also Alec Collins for bringing these videos to life on YouTube. If you want to see Lisa Shader and I chat on YouTube, go check it out at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash YouTube. Before we go for the day, I'd like to ask you to do one thing to support this show. Please text two of your friends right now about this show. If you've been finding value in it, if I've been helping you at all, or the guests that I've had on been helping you at all, please send two of your friends a text. You could send them a link to this episode or another one that you really appreciate, or just simply my website, marriagekidsandmoney.com. Tell them why you dig it. Your personal recommendation to two of your friends, it would mean the world to me as I keep this show going. Thanks for considering it, everybody. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from John Bogle. Investing is not nearly as difficult as it looks. Successful investing involves doing a few things right and avoiding serious mistakes. Start investing, keep it simple, and start making money while you sleep. Carpe diem! 